I'm supposed to be uh, a living legend. Is that right? The one thing I think that really stands by a human being is their work. Let's say I hope I'm finding happiness. Right? You don't manufacture stars. Mm. You can't turn them out. There were uh, nowadays. You see them. They're all out of the same cookie cutter. You know. You're listening to the Valley of the Dolls podcast, a place where I look at actresses from classic Hollywood and get into the detail around their careers and specific areas of their work. I'm Paul Walsh, and I'm your host. This week, I'm joined in conversation with Laura Saxby, who is the woman behind the incredibly successful and insightful Al Marilyn Monroe Instagram and website. Since rejoining the Marilyn fan community, she's amassed over 34,000 followers. In a world where Marilyn fan pages and websites are in abundance, she really does stand out. And I wanted to chat to her about some of the Marilyn myths, misconceptions, and just generally all things Marilyn. You want to be wonderful. You know, when I walked out of 20th Century Fox and I went to New York and I stayed for, I don't know how many months, 15 months, 13 months, I don't know how many months, and the lawyer, you know, he said, um, uh, oh, he was telling me uh, about my tax deductions, my I don't know what, and about, oh, the lawyer for 20th Century Fox. I said, I don't know about that. I only know I want to be wonderful. <laughs> I say that to a corporation lawyer who thinks you're mad. <laughs> and that's at the bottom of everything, you know? Thank you so much for agreeing to be on because I think, was it last week that I dropped you a message and was just like, do you want to do this? Um, So (laughs) I guess for those people who um, don't know, so I have um, a guest on today. So Laura, who, well, has run the Al Marilyn Monroe initially as a Tumblr page since 2011. You had a hiatus in the Marilyn community for five years, which I'm very interested to find out a little bit more um, about how you rejoined that community in 2021. So you've turned Al Marilyn Monroe into a website, almarilynmonroe.com, and an Instagram account, Our Marilyn Monroe Official, which has gained 32,000 followers since July. I... I was actually, I feel like I was one of the first people to join this account because I usually have I, I usually have my eye on some decent Marilyn accounts and I've seen the followers on this account jump up tenfold. I feel Sorry. like were you <laughs> twenty thousand followers even just a few weeks ago? I think it was just luck of the draw. Um, I think the the thing with Instagram, it's a really hard platform to grow on, and I think it is a case of you just got to be posting at the right time and the right people see it. A few people, I think, um, a few verified accounts, um, I have no idea who they are. A lot of them are uh, Brazilian pop stars, artists, politicians. I had a few Russian guys with over a million followers share my reels, and I was like, what is going on? <laughs> so for, for a few weeks, all of my followers have been speaking to me in Spanish or Russian, and I've just been like, I'm sorry, I don't understand you. But yeah, it was just complete luck, and I haven't changed anything that I've been doing, and um, it's a shock to me, um, as it is to other people because uh, I've had a few messages about it. it's like what have you done <laughs> I, don't know. I think just from just from my observation because I don't really know how algorithms work with Instagram I pretend mm-hmm. I know but I definitely don't have a clue but you've got some really you've got really good content on there and I think mm-hmm. you know we'll, we'll dive into some of this because the premise of the episode really 
Um, I wanted to really talk about obviously Marilyn Monroe, but equally navigating fact from fiction because it, it is an absolute minefield out there. And I am not yeah. professing to be an expert by any any stretch. But I, the, the first question that I just wanted to ask you um, is a bit more generic. You know, how did you first become aware of Marilyn Monroe? Well, I think it was when I was at school. Um, I was about 15 and I was doing uh, history, GCSE. Um, and I don't know what it is now, by the way, um, but I think it's changed. <laughs> but it, I, I was doing history for um, my exams and we uh, skimmed across uh, pop culture. And that involved, obviously, the civil rights movement and how things were changing and how... Uh, sex was you know how people saw sex Elvis Presley Marilyn Monroe and that's initially what drew me to her I was just like who is this woman she's <laughs> stunning and she had this mystique about her um but I think being a typical 15 year old who's going through their exams I didn't want to start researching <laughs> anything else <laughs> um so it wasn't until I was about 20 I think I was about 20 years old a friend of mine had an obsession with Tony Curtis and she said, come around my house, let's watch old movies. And I was like, yeah, okay. And I wasn't really into old Hollywood at the time. And then we watched Some Like It Hot. And when Marilyn came on the screen, I was just hooked from that moment. I loved everything that she was doing. Um, I found her obviously stunning. I found her comedic timing perfect. I, I felt that she was really... Um, I, I don't think she gets enough credit for some like it hot. So when I first saw it with like fresh eyes, I was just like, wow, this mm -hmm. is amazing. Um, and then, yeah, I just had to know everything about her from that point. So um, I had to have a foot operation. So I was stuck in bed and I ordered probably about 15 books. <laughs> so I just bought all of these biographies, read as much as I could, and I discovered Tumblr at the time. So I was like trying to, I didn't realise how competitive well, or, you know, how, well, I, I will say competitive <laughs> the community was. It was just like, I was getting a lot of backlash for the things I was writing. And I was just like, I don't know, it's yeah. written a book. I'm just seeing it as, as facts. So I didn't know any any better and um yeah then it took about a year before I was just like I'm one of those people now and I hate myself for it but <laughs> I, I try and be very very polite about it because I know what it's like to be um yeah. in a fandom and um yeah not really you know being interested in something but you still don't know everything and we never will <laughs> No, and it's such a minefield out there, isn't it? And just one thing that you touched upon, even just saying you ordered 15 books. I mean, I can't remember the exact number of books that have been written. I'm sure it's probably nearly a thousand or something ridiculous like that. Ridiculous. It is ridiculous. Yeah. And so navigating the be... facts through that is hard. Yeah, you, you do you do have to be picky. Um, a friend of mine, um, Silver Technicolor, she has Instagram. Uh, she literally will buy on eBay the the trash just to read it and I just don't know how she how she does it because I I take a long time to read books um but I think it's very good that when people are able to read books which are 
I, I will say fictionalized and not based entirely on fact and be able to go, cool, I know about that now. I know that's what this person's saying. Um, mm -hmm. Unfortunately, I'm not one of those people. I will literally just take uh, my friend's research and go, cool, thanks for telling me that <laughs> I know that yeah. for future reference because I just, I just don't have the time or the patience. <laughs> I remember reading a lot of Marilyn books over the years um, and I would get so, I'm quite similar to you, so it takes me a long time to read a book. I'm, I'm really into my audio books in the minute because I feel like I can just, I can get through a book in, in a week or something like that, whereas it would take me so much longer. But I remember reading so many different versions of Marilyn's story and whilst you're reading that current version, you're thinking to yourself, well, well, this must have been the way that it was just because she's so wrapped up in whatever material it is. And then, you know, they can't all be right. Um, especially when you look at, you know, the controversies around, you know, particularly her death for whatever reason and all the conspiracies that go with that. But even even just little things throughout her life, even dates and everything seems a little bit muddled, doesn't it? It is really, really hard. Um, I've been trying to write this timeline on my blog and trying to get things correct is really, really difficult. And so I've had to like dig through uh, Christie's auctions, Julian's auctions to try and find letters and photographs. And even sometimes they're not always 100%. Like there'll be letters which talk about events which you, you can be pretty sure happened in say 1959, but they'll date it as 1960. And although it doesn't matter to some people, I think for me personally, I like a really detailed insight on Marilyn's life and I like to get things as straight as possible because I think it humanizes her and I mm -hmm. think that's the problem a lot of a lot of people will read these books and just you know put it to one side and be like okay well that was her story next and they they don't mm -hmm. realize there's several different different versions and even Marilyn's versions weren't always correct so how, how sometimes she would um tell her story about life in the orphanage for example how she viewed it wasn't necessarily how it happened and so people will write her opinion and her, her views and base that as fact like this orphanage was terrible you know she had to wash dishes and things like that and it's like yeah but don't forget they also took her to the, the film studio they took a, like all the children to RKO and Christmas and gave them ice cream and watch movies and it wasn't as bad as all that you know Marilyn may have made it out to be but it felt bad to her so I think that's what people take from it as opposed to the facts <laughs> yeah and I think it was I know that you spoke to me about potentially looking to work on a, on a timeline and that's a piece of work that you're putting together at the moment um and even just one thing I was looking at the other day around um you know the last professional photography sitting that she had and there's so much dispute about that um so I I had uh, I was always under the impression that the last sitting the, the last sitting as it's called by Bert Stern was the final photographs um taken in july but then the george barris photos we mm. so has have we kind of found out that those are the last pictures actually of her george yeah. barris ones are um my friend april she um she's actually written a few books she actually wrote a book called marilyn a day in life and she has a website as well uh, which you know talks about conspiracies and because of her i've actually been able to um piece a lot of facts together for my death FAQ and things like that so I trust her implicitly 
And she actually had access to Pat Newcomb's um, notes, which actually said that she was to be um, dropping Marilyn off on the, uh, I think it was like, the was it the 13th of July? Don't, don't quote me on that. But on, on the day that the, the last photos of George Barris were to be taken, there's actually physical proof that photos were taken on that day. Same goes for the photos with Bat Stern. There's documents that show the dates of when the, those photo shoots were happening. So yes, um, I, I have had that dispute a lot and I've been going back and forth, back and forth, but I just went to April and I said, help me. And she said, yeah, I've seen the documents. It was definitely the George Barris photos. So yes, yeah. they, those um, were the last photos. Yeah, definitely. And there, there are some of my favorites as well. I think I'll pop oh, something on my I actually think I prefer them. I, I always was drawn to the Bert Stern pictures. I think probably because she looked so 60s and that was almost like an, um, yeah. a, a look of Marilyn that we never really quite got to see. But I yeah. think in terms of looking at her as a human and and being on the beach and uh, yeah they they are some of my favorites so another question that i've got you know how do you source you know rare and, and high quality material because there's so much out there that's not in the best quality yeah. um so you know how, how do you find um some of the th some of the things that you publish on your website um well with photos i tend to i mean i've been through every single website since Marilyn website since 2011 so um there's a couple of websites that unfortunately no longer exist but I had like a backup of all my pictures from there with high quality scans and things like that um so now it's a case of just finding them on you know a lot of them are on news websites um I there's a website called Dr Macro um, which is really, really good for high quality pictures. Um, but honestly, again, it's just luck. And I tend to find like a lower quality version of the image and reverse image it. Yeah. I don't know. Um, there's a website called Tinai and you can do it on Google as well. Um, and they'll show you all of the different sizes of the pictures. Uh, in terms of information, <laughs> um, you know, I, I've, I've got a few books which I pretty much always go to and then I cross-reference them to see if they both say the same thing. If they don't, I then go and talk to uh, the likes of uh, Scott Fortner from Marilyn Monroe Collection, or I talk to April, or, you know, some of my other friends who I know probably have seen documents or own documents which will back up the statements within these books so it does take a bit of digging and it, it's not the easiest thing to do uh, some things I just have to have a look on um, like I said Christie's or Junior's websites and see if they've got any uh, documents that back up what I'm trying to publish but yeah it's yeah. not an easy easy task <laughs> yeah and I think you know having a look at your website but obviously following you on Instagram I think you know it, it really just shows the level of work that you are doing I've been a Marilyn fan for about 20 20 years but I still feel like I'm learning things from your post which is probably why oh, thank you that's so lovely of you um I think I just wanted to touch upon it as well you know some of how, well really how Marilyn exists online because this is something that's mm -hmm. come up quite a lot um, one of my biggest bugbears initially was the, I don't, I don't think there's another famous person that I'm aware of, or there probably is, that has been so obviously misquoted. Yeah. 
And I see, um, I've seen, I've seen it in shops, like actual physical yep. merchandise. Um, what's the one way? Give a girl, give a girl the right pair of right shoes, shoes. And she can conquer the world. I mean, what's that all about? Where, where's that come from? <laughs> yeah, well, that <laughs> that actually came from Beth Midler. She said that um, something similar, um, something like she believes that with the right footwear, one can take on the world. Uh, so I don't know how someone took that, twisted the words around and stuck it on a picture of Marilyn Monroe and therefore it's Marilyn's. I have no idea where these quotes come from. I would love to know who originally wrote them. It's either a genius, like an old man sat somewhere who's just coming up with these random quotes, or a teenager who literally just posted it on I don't know, MySpace, <laughs> whatever the kids news nowadays, with a, a picture of Marilyn, and then it's deemed a Marilyn quote. I love listening to the audio from, you know, the Richard Merriman interview or something oh, like yeah. that, where you can actually hear her speak, and you think, right, okay, it's from the horse's mouth, I know that she said it, but even that sometimes can be taken drastically out of context and in a short snippet. <sighs> I know, I know. When you, when you see, like, some of the things that she said in in text form you're like oh what a sad person like she'll say I I think there was a quote where she said if I'm generally anything I'm generally miserable and in that interview when you hear her say it she starts laughing her head off like she she's quite light-hearted about it you know I think that we want to make out that she is a very sad person so things that she said can sometimes be misconstrued as something that it's not um yeah and it's definitely her humor and again that's probably a quality that is not even acknowledged ever Never, um, no. and and that's just almost you know you can say something in a sarcastic way to get quoted it's just yeah, yeah. and the, the other thing that happens and again this is something that we've spoken about before is mm. the editing and kind of photoshopping and altering yeah. I mean, if I see another picture of Marilyn Monroe looking like a Kardashian hybrid, it's just, what is, what's going on? <laughs> Sometimes I've had it where I, it's actually been a pretty, dare I say, decent Photoshop job. And I think, oh, hang on, is that a new, I don't think I've seen that one before. But then, mm. you know, scratch the surface yeah. and someone's edited it. But there's somewhere, they've literally altered her face. So it doesn't look yeah. like her anymore. I, I mean, there's some that are clearly you know edited in a way that it's to, it's meant to look um real uh there i mean recently uh, scott fortner published a video showing how two george barris photos had actually been photoshopped together to make a photo that we had all believed was real it was that good um the thing is there were two very real photos combined and so the the general consensus was no that's not photoshopped um, until looking into it a bit deeper and you see how it was edited. That obviously is still not great, <laughs> but when we take an image and, you know, I, I've done it and you and I have spoken about it regarding upscaling and creating higher definition pictures, it's, it's something that I used to do when I first discovered it. I was like, I can make these grainy photos high quality yeah. and beautiful and now they stick up like a sore thumb and I went back through and I deleted the roles like what was I doing and yeah. because at the time you think oh it's okay because it's still Marilyn's image I'm just enhancing it and then you start seeing with some of them 
I don't think technology's caught up yet to the point where we can make these images look good because it will completely change the look of someone's skin texture, their hair. It will it's change the teeth. It's a giveaway, isn't it? Yes, it's it definitely. Exactly. Yeah, yeah they go wonky or they start like growing into the lips. And <laughs> I, I, I mean, I the other day I posted a picture which I had saved from um, a website and I genuinely thought this is just a Blu-ray screenshot and it turns out someone had taken the screenshot and run it through this app and I'd posted it and someone said I thought you didn't like this app and I was like wait what and I didn't even know mm. like there's some which aren't very jarring and some which are and obviously the ones where the lips are bigger the eyes are bigger you know it's that people are doing it with all celebrities now and it's sad it really is uh, and I don't I don't agree with it at all um, yeah but on the other hand you do have like um Joshua Green he took um the original photos that his dad took and really did enhance them and some of them obviously the eyes are a bit bluer the lips are a bit redder but it hasn't really changed how Marilyn looks in, in my personal opinion I think that that's where there's a a line and you've got to know whether to cross it when it comes to editing mm, some people definitely. call it art i'm just <laughs> i'm just, yeah. just staying away from that one i'll stay away from the photoshops if i can it's true and you know i when i've had certain apps and i it's weird because it's almost that you don't the first time you use something like that you think oh wow it looks really good but it's not until afterwards and i think you know what i'd be really keen to see is more of perhaps the original but just perhaps copied in a higher quality because i think that's the issue isn't it there's a lot of there's a lot of great rare pictures out there that unfortunately just don't exist digitally in a high quality but there must be a co copy out there because obviously it's yeah. from the original negative it's just whether we can actually get our hands on it um yeah i, I was i was saying that to um a friend of mine we're having a discussion about the uh, alan grant pictures of marilyn during the richard merriman interview mm -hmm. and we're just like where are these high quality pictures life magazine must have them in a drawer somewhere yeah. and you know we've got one or two good pictures and the rest are you know they're so gorgeous and you just feel as if that they're not being you know there's no justice being done and you want them in high quality you want them beautiful and you want to see every detail um yeah. and i think that's you know that's the result people have come down to when they want to post rarer photos but they don't want you know rubbish quality it's the same as the Richard Merriman audio, though, because apparently that audio tape was supposed to be much longer. And I've only heard the clips that were on the documentary, I think, from the late 80s, early 90s, I want to say. Um, you know, I'd be really interested to just I love hearing Marilyn talk in her own voice and natural yeah. speaking voice. I could listen to that for hours. Um, what do you think, you know, you've done a lot of really interesting articles on the website and, and I did have a read through them as well. I mean, what do you think is the biggest misconception about Marilyn um, generally? Well, obviously, I, I think when I first tell people that I'm interested in Marilyn, the first thing they always go to is that she was murdered by her lover, which was the president of the United States. And... That there's so much wrong with that. I just, I just like, yeah, I, I stick my head in my hands and um, yeah, <laughs> that's one of them. <laughs> How long have we got? Um, but <laughs> Go for I, it. 
I think there's also this misconception that she was a sad person all the time. Um, you post, I post any pictures of Marilyn and I, I tend to see comments saying, oh, you can see the sadness in her eyes. And it's just like, wait, what? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. uh, and some of them, she's physically acting sad because she's trying to emote that through the camera. She's trying to show, look what I can do as an actress. And it really does show how good she was. Um, her, her peasant sitting with Milton Green, for example, some of the people when I posted that were saying, oh God, she looks so sad. And it's like, yes, she was doing these photos to show her versatility, that what she could do. Same with some of the Ben Ross photos where she's doing different poses and photos in 1949 with Philip Hausman. You know, she was a great actress in front of any type of camera, whether it was rolling or whether it was just snapping away. And I, I think to say that she was always a sad person doesn't do her any justice. Um, she had a lot of happy moments and Unfortunately, because of her death, people just immediately say, right, that's it. She was miserable. She was depressed. And she obviously didn't want to be part of this world anymore. Um, Or we get the other story that she had this passionate affair with President John F. Kennedy and wanted to be the first lady and had this notebook full of secrets and she knew too much. That's the best one. She knew too much. But no one can tell me what she knew. Um, <laughs> I just don't really what did she know um, and it, it's, it's sad that that's what people think when we talk about Marilyn Monroe they they think about the conspiracies and they think sadness um, yeah. they don't think about someone who was hardworking dedicated um, you know she had she had her downfalls um, she wasn't perfect and I, th- I think that's why so many um, fans like like you and me, we we re- can relate to her because she was a person, she was human, and someone who's seen as this angelic, um, you know, person. We, we just yeah. think, wow, she is perfect, and yet there there's more to her than meets the eye, and I think that's why so many people are drawn to her. Yeah, definitely, and I think one of my um, biggest things about her was that many people assume that she was like the character in Gentleman Prefer Blonde yeah. 24-7. Um, <laughs> one, of my, one of my biggest pet peeves is when you, I don't know if you ever see, and it can be, you know, as credible a project, but if you ever see Marilyn represented in, in any kind of film or documentary or TV series, she is that Laurel Lee character. And I just thought, I sometimes think, wouldn't it be great just to see her actually in a normal speaking voice in a normal yeah. day-to-day environment, because I don't think she was this breathy blonde all no. the time. In fact, we know she wasn't because we've got the recordings, you know? Yeah, exactly. And and that's why I, I'm, I've just posted, actually, my uh, reviews of the um, CNN documentary that came out. And one of the best things about Reframed Man and Monroe was that they, they did use recordings of her voice and sometimes I was listening to it and I was like because it's in such good quality I'm just like that really her it sounds like someone else being her but I know it's her because I've heard it before but it just sounded so clear and I was like wow it's like you can reach out and just touch her if you closed your eyes and just listen to that and I just wish we had more of that I I 
I, I think at work a few years ago, I found the um, interview she did while she was making Let's Make Love um, for, I think it was Marie Claire magazine. And I just sat listening to it and I didn't realise, but I just stopped working. I just sat there and I was listening to it. And someone's like, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, sorry. I'm just <laughs> in my own little very, world. It, it's a very clear interview. And I remember specifically because that's when she talks about the calendar, isn't she? The new calendar yeah. that she did in 1949. And I remember I heard that recording and I thought, gosh, this sounds like somebody you're just talking to now. Yeah. Like, it was really, really surreal. Um because for a long time, I don't know about yourself, I, I mean, I used to watch Marilyn documentaries and read books and watch her films, but I don't actually think it was until I was much older that I actually heard her speaking voice because these weren't readily available. I'm talking like pre-YouTube kind of yeah. times. Um, so, yeah, that's really interesting to to hear her, her talk like yeah, that. Yeah, it is, it's lovely. Um, when you, I think some of my favourites are during um, the bloopers of uh, Something's Got to Give. And she kind of like switches off and there's bits where you can see she's visibly annoyed and her tone just changes. You're like, come on, Marilyn, unleash yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> but she wasn't yeah. that kind of person. She would just make like little snarky remarks like I'm not even supposed to be here. That was like one of my favorites. And yeah. I was just like, oh, <laughs> yeah, there's one as well where she's like, don't worry, George, we'll get there. And she, she kind of yeah. like snaps out of it as well, because, again, who, you know, who would have ever who usually would see the outtakes of a film like that in those days you know no one so yeah it's what, such a nice thing to see what um i just wanted to explore some of the points that you wrote in one of your uh, blog posts which i thought was really interesting um and and some of these really resonated with me actually and we touched upon a couple there you know 10 facts that are actually myths 10 mountain facts that are actually myths. <laughs> the, the, the first one that i heard that i don't think i've heard for a long time but when I first discovered Marilyn, I think it was my dad, he said, well, you know, she had six toes. That, I knew you were going <laughs> to say that one. <laughs> it didn't, that came from a photo shoot, I believe, where her foot was pressed up against the sand. Yeah. And there and was, it was like a, really a little early mound photo of shoot. Yeah, yeah, I think, I, I, I'm trying to remember, I think it was, pardon if I get this pronunciation wrong, Joseph ja Jasqua. Jasper, I don't know how yes. to pronounce that. Yeah. Um, but it was, yeah, she was on the beach, and there's plenty of photos, other photos from that session that don't show six toes. Um, but that one picture <laughs> seemed to cause this crazy story. Honestly, I think if she was here now and she could hear us talking about this sixth toe thing, she would love it. She would be, she'd probably spread that rumor and be like, oh, okay. <laughs> but I yeah, know. It, it is amazing how these stories get around. She'd probably think it was funny that they were talking about a different part of her anatomy for once. Just actually. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a change, isn't it? They're working yeah, down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, make a rumor about my toe. There has to be other pictures of her in mm. like, toeless shoes or whatever you call them you know, they, they would have been there but yeah. that's interesting what are some yeah. of the other ones that you've come up against that you think are, are, are worth mentioning oh, well, some of them some of the recent ones I've had a few new ones um one that Marilyn was actually Mexican um okay uh, I think that comes from um her mother was born in Mexico but she didn't have Mexican heritage um so no Marilyn was not Mexican the other one is that she was born a man and oh, yeah, 
Uh, once, I think it was last week actually, I had Marilyn was a Mexican man. And I was like, oh, I hope there's a translation thing going on here because I'm <laughs> really confused. That was brand new to me. Um, some, I, I mean, there's countless. There's um, that she was size 14, 16 and up, um, which when you look at her in any movie, um and look at any of her costumes in person or in photos you can see that she was tiny um that that's a big bugbearer mainly because the photo that's usually associated with Marilyn being plus size apparently is um a pregnant of her when she was pregnant and um she was in early pregnancy but she had a little bit of a tummy and that's usually the photo that's put up against um, images of, you know, supermodels nowadays and saying Marilyn Monroe was the most beautiful woman in the world and she was a size 16. It's like she, even when she was pregnant, she was, you know, tinier than I am when I eat bread. Like it's, <laughs> it's like some, some of the things that people come up with. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I saw I, some of her costumes. At the, it was a few years back now. They did uh, an exhibition at Chelsea, in Chelsea. Um, I went to that. <laughs> they did. They, yeah, I did. The, they had the dress, one of the things, that was the dress from Niagara, um, which yeah. was like, the cotton dress, the pink cotton dress. I mean, the waist on it was, obviously, it's one thing seeing a picture, but actually to have the costume yeah. in front of you, to reach out and be able to almost touch it. Well, um, well I was going to say, when I <laughs> when um, I went to Los Angeles a few years ago, I went to a Marilyn remembered uh, birthday party for Marilyn at uh, Greg Schreiner's house. And he collects a lot of Marilyn costumes and just costumes in general. And uh, Scott Fortner was there. And it was the first time I met Scott. We'd spoken briefly, but um, he's good friends with another good friend of mine. And I said, oh, we'll help clear up. And we, we're helping clear up. And he said, Scott said, come on, come here, come here. And he took us in Greg's costume room and showed me Marilyn's costumes. And I actually have a picture of me with Marilyn's dress draped over me from Let's Make Love. Uh, it's oh. the pink dress. And I said, I would never get this on me. And Scott, <laughs> bless his heart, said, no, you wouldn't. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, okay, right. But yeah, I, I've touched her furs. I've held her costumes. And I've never smiled so hard in my life. My face was like frozen. How did you feel grin. when you touched it? I can't even imagine. I know it's, it was it's just... scary. <laughs> I was like, something bad's going to happen once I touch this. And it's like, oh, it's going to rip or, you know, I, I'm going to spill something. I was like looking around, making sure there was nothing like that could damage it, that I could be blamed for. But it was a completely surreal experience. Um, and I, I wasn't really actively involved in the community then. I, I wasn't running an Instagram page or anything. Um, but it was so nice to be amongst Marilyn fans again and to be talking about Marilyn and it it felt like I was with a few of them <laughs> like part of a family and mm -hmm. that's what felt so nice so a couple of things that I wanted to other things that I want to touch upon um and these just uh 
just probably more random questions. If you were to suggest, you know, any books or for somebody who really, because I've had, I've had people say to me before, you know, I'm, re I'm really interested in finding out a little bit more about Marilyn. But if you type into Amazon, Marilyn Monroe books, let's be honest, um, <laughs> <laughs> it's tricky. Um, I remember my first Marilyn book that I read was uh, the Anthony Summers book, Goddess. And that was just, I think I found it at a... Oh, um, cool guy. I know, I know. <laughs> and I, actually, I think it was my aunties or something that she she had. But yeah, and it had that awful picture in the back of the book. Mm. And I thought, why should that ever be published? Um, yeah. But yeah, what would you suggest to be a great starting point? Um, I think that if we're going to start anywhere with um, Marilyn books, it's, it's to go by words from her own mouth or hand um so my story is a good one um it was ghost written but everything seems as if it's pr pretty kosher it's all it's all very accurate to what we know about Marilyn and it's in her tone of voice as well so it hasn't been meddled with too much uh fragments is also a very good one um it's got her poems her notes and it gives a really good insight to her feelings during certain points of her life um as well as you, it's got annotations as well from you, it so it gives you a bit of an idea of what was happening and why she may have been feeling that way i i think some people read fragments and immediately feel as if she was a very sad person but to be honest, I write when I'm feeling sad. I don't tend to write when I'm feeling really good. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, it, it, it's nice seeing that um, more of a sensitive side to Marilyn. So that's definitely uh, what I'd recommend. Um, Michelle Morgan's uh, biography, uh, Private Undisclosed, that um, was is probably one of the best books you can get because it's very to the point it's very factual it's not a huge book but it does deliver um so I feel that some books feel as if they need to be like this big um and just be full of information which can be daunting to a, like a first time you know reader of Marilyn books also Donald Spotto's book is very good yeah. as long as you completely ignore his theory on Marilyn's death he, he does quash the rumours of uh, the Kennedys and does have evidence for that. So that's really, really good. Marilyn's death is a theory and some of the information is incorrect. But I do have the old version, the old edition. I'm not sure what the new edition is like. I do have it on my Kindle, but I'm, I haven't had time to go through back through and just cross reference. Um, and I also think the book um, Marilyn in Her Own Words by George Barris is a very good book. L kind of like my story, Marilyn's just chatting away and it's been written down. I'm not sure how much of it is a bit of speculation that George Barris may have said that his friendship with Marilyn was a lot more than what it was. Um, mm -hmm. So that can sometimes be a bit of a warning sign, but everything does align pretty nicely with what we know about Marilyn. Um, I would say avoid anything that mentions <laughs> this is like I'm not trying to be offensive to anybody but if, if anyone reads Norman Mailer, Anthony Summers, anything that talks about or, or any books that include the word assassination or murder or victim or anything like that I would just say avoid scrap it. Lawrence Schiller, <laughs> yeah, yes. um, Lawrence Schiller um, 
he is also quite questionable. Um, although he took some really gorgeous photos of Marilyn, his accounts of everything are a bit sketchy because of how closely associated he was with Norman Mailer. Um, he actually set up like a Norman Mailer foundation. They were in tight. And the fact that Norman Mailer said that a lot of the stuff he wrote, the majority of his book was fabricated. And he said this, it was just because he needed money very badly. Any stories that have been like come off of his book uh, can be scrapped. <laughs> so um, yeah. it, I, it's easier to, to find to... bad books. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, especially when you've had so many public, uh, published, you know, it's, yeah. there's always going to be a, a few weeds in there. I tend to, I mean, I'm I'm a sucker for a Marilyn book. I mean, I'm just because I get so, the good, bad and the ugly sometimes just because I feel like I want to have that collection. But what I tend to aim for is more the, um, I mean, there's been some absolutely amazing photo books. I mean, even yeah. when you mentioned the Lawrence Schiller ones, honestly, yeah. I bought them for the pictures. <laughs> it's same, not, same. It's, I might have had a glance through the text, but it's the pictures that I bought it for. The same yeah. with Stearns. I got the complete last mm-hmm. sitting, you know, the coffee, t- really wow. heavy coffee table book. Do you know, I got that on my 18th birthday, which, you know, is a few years ago now. Um, and I think it was about, <laughs> about 50 pounds, which was a, a lot of money. And now yeah. it's a really rare find. It's the one that's really, really thick. It's yeah, a I, 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 when I went to a museum in Rome, I saw it and it was a shocking amount of money. And I kind of looked at my husband and he was just like, because we were traveling at the time, he was like, we've got to carry that around. Are you really going to happy, be happy putting that in the suitcase and dragging it around the world? You don't know if people are going to be going through the suitcase they might damage the book and I was like okay 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 I get it. it's too expensive um yeah. it is one of my biggest regrets not getting it um but also I know you know these things will crop up on eBay at some point yeah. that's why I've always been um when I see things like that like even the Lawrence Schiller that came out I believe in the summer um, I remember just thinking just get it just get it yeah. because it's, you know you never know when especially the coffee table books yeah, they don't definitely. tend to be around for, for for very long. What about um kind of moving away from the book side of things, just mm-hmm. looking at what you love most? You know, what are your favorite Marilyn? Can we call them eras? Is that a bit is that a bit cliche? But is there any <laughs> sort of specific time periods that you really like, whether it be like a look or, or a specific film work that you're more drawn I, to? I think well, that's hard because I, I would split that into sections for, for film work. You know, 1952 and 1953 were peak. Um, mm. They were s- such good years for her, her films. I mean, she had Don't Bother to Not Come Out, Niagara, Gentlemen Prefer, Blondes and House Marry Millionaire. I mean, they're probably the four movies, other than Some Like It Hot, I would direct everybody to. Um, they show her versatility in acting, um, you know, Niagara, I wish she had more roles like she did in Niagara because she she was incredible and she literally just blew everyone else off the screen. <laughs> um, <laughs> I just wish she was in it for longer. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Well, yeah, I'm not going to spoil it for anyone who hasn't watched it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, there's a part where you can just turn it off from that point. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, um, in terms of her life, I think 90. 90- 1950 um, was a really good year for her um, but unfortunately I think it was also the, the turning point she had just 
divorced Joe DiMaggio. She moved to New York. She was still friends with Joe. So she was still, you know, taking him to social events. Um, you know, he, he went to her birthday party. He'd gone to the Madison Square Garden event where she was on that big pink elephant. You know, all of this was after, you know, they got divorced. So that was nice. But she was still dating. So she had a bit of freedom. Um, and also she had come into her own. She she started working at the actor's studio and she had set up Marilyn Monroe Productions. And I think that was such a incredible year for her to for her future. Unfortunately, it was also the year she started psychoanalysis, which I think was the biggest problem. Um, I don't think it was right for her. And unfortunately, she felt like it was a necessity to improve on her character and also on her work. Um, but yeah, so that was yeah. a nice little year. Um, <laughs> but 1962 was also like, it was also very hopeful, um, but it, it's just a shame it ended the way it did. And I think that if, you know, a couple of things had been different in her life, namely her doctors yeah. she you know she, she would have had a, another good few years but unfortunately it wasn't meant to be yeah it is, it is a shame and I think that's what I always feel drawn to specifically that whole period of sort of 1962 um primarily because I know it was just prior to that she was some of the projects that she was having conversations around I'm just like oh if only would have got to see that um I know I know I really really am interested in the um the television project that she was going to do which was the adaptation of rain which would have been yeah. really interesting you know i think i mentioned on one of my earlier podcast episodes you know it the use of her in films like let's make love and even the misfits to some extent it seems like they just fell a bit flat and i think there's so many other projects like she could have been involved in can you imagine her in perhaps breakfast at tiffany's how, um, how things would be different now it's so weird like if a couple of things have just just gone a little bit differently how we'd be viewing Marilyn Monroe now although I think she would have done wonderfully Audrey Hepburn is just absolutely flawless as Holly Golightly um I do wish you know Marilyn had been able to work on Rain and it is quite interesting the Ralph Roberts book that came out quite recently Mimosa um it talks a bit about how she, how she's going through these scripts and you know her frustrations and and things like that and you just think about what what possibilities there were for her and the amazing work she could have come out with. And, you know, some people, even, even now, their careers started 20 years ago, but it's only now they're being recognised. And it, it could just be that one thing that really sets off that spark of going, you know, she, of course she was already famous, but I think there may have been that one thing that goes, did you see Marilyn Monroe and you know, in rain, have you seen anything like it before? Could you have even imagined? And, you know, I think she should have been given more opportunity, but at the end of the day, it was about what was making money and that's what got her the success. And, you know, her success came off the back of things that she, she sadly wasn't particularly happy with. Yeah, it's, it's, I think as well, it's, it's almost just the time. I mean, just to compare, I guess, in a way, you know, you get the end of the studio system with Elizabeth Taylor finishing her yeah. contract. And I mean, look at some of the projects that she got involved with in the sort of mm -hmm. mid to late 60s. And, 
yeah. you can kind of think, you know, would Marilyn have been involved in more interesting material? I mean, don't get me wrong, the Elizabeth Taylor was sometimes her work was quite questionable, but <laughs> again, the point is that the point is that she had more freedom to make choices. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, didn't uh, Elizabeth Taylor become like a freelancer? She like yeah. was able to control everything. This, I mean, it, yeah. Unfortunately, Marilyn had went and signed this contract, which she tried to get out of, and it did her no favors. Um, she probably thought at the time that it was the best thing in the world, but it came and bit her up the backside, unfortunately. <laughs> and um, you know, although we've got some amazing films out of it, it it really it really shaped how we see Marilyn. And I think we can't always be angry at how Hollywood was or the system or the script she was given because really it, it was what made her who she is today. I think that sometimes we, we want to um, perpetuate this idea that, you know, she was this victim who destroyed by Hollywood and by men and all of the people that her, were around her. And it's like, but she brought so many of them to her. She needed so many of them in her mm-hmm. mind. And um, yeah, I just, uh, yeah, I, 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 think do, that, I do wish there was more of a future for her. Yeah. And I think what you just touched upon there, you know, the, the idea of this whole victimhood and people buy into that. I just think what I get from Marilyn is this it takes a huge amount of determination and grit to get from, you know, a pool of starlets and like someone signed up to the Bluebird modeling agency in the late forties to get to where she got to. And I think people really forget. She didn't just sail through on her looks. No, no, exactly. But you know, this is Hollywood, you know, beautiful girls are probably a dime a dozen. And obviously what she had was that little bit something extra, but I think also she had grit, determination, hard work, making good connections, putting in the work. And I think that often, you know, she didn't ask for all of this. You know, she worked hard to get it. So she wasn't necessarily a victim as such. No, I I completely agree with you. No, I completely agree. I, I actually wrote a whole post about how Marilyn is seen as the victim, despite a lot of the things that she she did in her life were completely her own choice and it I think people don't give her the credit that she deserves that she stood her ground and you know tried hard and you know I, I've been work, been working on a post about the the image of Marilyn and how we either see her as one or the other she's either this angel or this devil and she, you know she's either the home wrecker or she's you know this person who could possibly do no wrong and it's like maybe she was a bit of both yeah like, there's people that will say she never had affairs it's like yeah she did <laughs> she never slept with married men it's like I can count a few, <laughs> like, you know, she yeah. wasn't perfect, but neither was Audrey Hepburn or, you know, Elizabeth Taylor. You know, the thing is, we seem to just pick one person and then, you know, decide to pick up their scabs. And well, Grace Kelly. I mean, yeah. <laughs> big, apparently the biggest nymphomaniac going was I Grace know, Kelly. I know, I well, know. Except with Jane Stewart, apparently. I had, I had she, she didn't know. James Stewart said no to Grace. <laughs> again, you know, because she married a prince and she wasn't perceived as being, exactly. you know, she was a little bit more high class, you know. Yeah. It's a, a, a no, who, what one person is just one thing all the time. You can't exactly. say she was permanently sad. That'd be a bit bizarre. So, yeah, yeah exactly. I think, 
going back to I think what we what I really like about what what your site is offering and what you're posting and just these conversations it's just about you know not putting her on a pedestal but equally being quite honest about um, the person she was and and accepting her for that what um, this is such a cheesy question but I just wanted to ask you you know what does Marilyn kind of mean to you because she's such a big part clearly of, of your life you know yeah what does she bring to you well I mean I think for especially with people that may suffer from anxiety and depression um she really shows what you can do what you can achieve um someone who who may be deemed as fragile and as you said she had grit and determination and I, I don't think someone who is weak could could ever achieve what she achieved and she did all that on the back of you know her trauma and her history and yeah I think she showed me personally that things like despite my background for example or my upbringing that it's about working hard and if I put my mind to it I can succeed at whatever I want and you know I think she also taught me a lot from her mistakes as well and like I I personally don't want to ever rely on medication um I feel like it's more important to set up boundaries in my life seeing that there's actually more than meets the eye I think that those are like the things I took away from learning about Marilyn is that it's not always what you read in the papers or what you see it's really such a hard thing to describe but I I just feel like there's always with me and talking to other Marilyn fans there's that connection we all seem to find this personal connection to her and we just feel as if that someone who's just seems so is the word ethereal I I don't know (laughs) you might have to edit that one out but you know she just seems so unreachable and yet she, she came from very modest means and she really worked her off I think that's inspirational and I know there's many 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 Hollywood actresses and you know less famous and more famous people but I think none of them are as widely recognized as Marilyn in in a way that it's just like wow that's the biggest film star she had money she had men and I, I get that a lot as well she had money and men and beauty and it's like yeah have you ever considered that maybe she didn't and except (laughs) and maybe there was more to life than that and I I think that that sometimes it it definitely goes deeper than you know I like a couple of movies and you know she was hot it it goes way beyond that yeah it's it's an interesting one to try and explain and and the reason sorry I kind of put you on the spot there I I had notes and I looked at them and I was like I don't even know. <laughs> yeah, if, if, someone, if someone asked me that question around, you know, uh, you know, it's a very, very difficult one to explain. But I think one of those areas that I think the reason why the Marilyn community can sometimes at times be such a minefield is because she has this reaction and, and people almost feel like they know her um, oh, or that yeah. they are <laughs> somehow connected to her. And it becomes this like fierce competition of, you know, who knows what about her. And I think uh, thankfully, and I'll be really honest, I've never felt that drive and tenacity to take that kind of ownership, but I know that some people do. I think it's, for me, it's just really great to speak with people like yourselves who actually appreciate her um, and going maybe above 
just maybe owning a, a, a canvas that has a misquoted picture <laughs> on there. I, I think also that that's a big problem um, with social media now as well. And owning these, there's hundreds of these Marilyn accounts and some last and some don't. And I feel like a big part of it is to do with a sense of validation you know, Marilyn draw, always draws attention, you're going to get followers eventually. I mean, I didn't expect to get my followers, but because it's such a bunny is competitive thing to create, you've got to know your stuff and you've got to be interested and you've got to want to do it for the right reasons. Like I'm, I'm not doing anything differently to what I would have done in 2011. I literally just post with some information and enjoy sharing facts about Marilyn. I'm not mm -hmm. doing it to try and, you know, gain attention or, you know, and unfortunately there are accounts that do it and I don't know how long they're going to be around for, as in their accounts. Um, so yeah. I think you, you've really got to want to do it for the right reasons. And this, the same goes for ownership of Marilyn and a lot of people do want to they they literally go through accounts just so that they can correct you and obviously I'll go from my explore page and I might see something that's wrong but the first thing that comes into my head is I'll send them a dm you know I'll message them politely and one of my pet peeves in the community is directing publicly like underneath a comment or something like that and we're just like this is wrong and then you know it's just like did you have to try and embarrass me there are some accounts that just won't listen so sometimes you have to just kind of like make a point some other way without naming names and you know sometimes that's the only way you can get through um especially if someone's sharing complete false information um if it's a wrong date fine whatever if it's a fake photo fine just say hello just so you know this is a fake photo but when it comes to a whole narrative um it can sometimes put the wrong message across about Marilyn or um the hard work that so many fans and researchers and biographers have done to try and get rid of these rumors people with x amount of followers are telling them by the way Marilyn yeah. had this love affair and you know it's just like oh thanks and then, <laughs> and then you've got more work to do and I, I I don't I don't hate it and it's not like I don't feel like it's hard work um but yeah I I'm I'm personally really glad that I've got I say I've got these followers but it's not even I don't feel like it's for me I feel like it's for Marilyn and unfortunately you've got the official account who don't always post correct things so mm -hmm. you have to do their job for them in a way um and I'll never have the millions of followers that they have but if I can tell a few people by the way this is what Marilyn was really like then it seems so trivial doesn't it but it, it really does I, I think if if I were her I'd want people to say the truth about me when I was gone yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, what's really interesting is that it starts conversations and it brings, you know, people who are, you know, like-minded together who can, you know, share images, have conversations. And I think 
ultimately for all its pitfalls that's what it's all about isn't it exactly yeah exactly it's about having fun and just sharing information and learning so what what tell us a a bit about what's coming up with um i guess instagram the website what what things have you got planned oh gosh i have a notebook full of the things (laughs) that i want to do but the, the slowest part at the moment that's taken me a lifetime is working on marilyn's timeline um Try trying to like fill in the gaps as much as possible um get getting images of documents to back it up um and obviously just photos of that time in life because i think some people are a lot more visual and they can see you know marilyn living or you know like a picture of marilyn's apartment or you know things like that i think people seem to understand a bit more um obviously i have lots of drafts of posts ready to go um i've got um one going live um which is actually a guest post uh written by my friend allison uh she runs perfectly marilyn monroe i have known her since i was in doing tumblr um i met her in new york she's a lovely lovely person um so she's done another guest post for me regarding marilyn's religion because of a certain viral TikTok video went around um, making all sorts of claims. Um, so that's, you know what, it's that kind of thing that brings up content. So yeah, I try not to bash it too much, but uh, <laughs> yeah, people just keep giving me content. Um, I want to just put as much information as I can on the website that it, to be a resource. Um, so when people have a question about Marilyn, they can just go into my FAQ, find the answer, find the evidence that will back it up and it's there um everything that's on there at the moment is basically like a first draft it's everything that I had from my tumblr days so I'm still working my way through it um I've got a little one so time is pretty tight <laughs> so <laughs> I try I try and do as much as I can but um regarding my instagram I'm just uh, currently working on trying to get um lots of nice quotes on there trying to show um the fake quotes as well uh i had a few people message me about them actually saying i can't believe that's fake and it's like well now we know <laughs> that's what i'm here <laughs> for um and just trying to present it in a way that is easy for people to access um because i think there's so much information on the website um i'm oh, sorry on the internet not on the website on the internet mm. I just want it all like consolidated either on my Instagram or on my blog. Um, but I'm, I mean, I'm still learning now. I've, I've learned so much um, from my friend, April. I mean, she, she's amazing. She's like this little know-it-all. Um, same as my friend, Kelly, um, Silver Technicolor. She has taught me so much about Marilyn and her relationship with Joe DiMaggio, things that I never knew. And it completely changed my perspective on on Joe, their relationship, everything. And um, so you can still learn um, even, even now. Um, I mean, I've only been a fan for about a decade and it just seems never ending. There's always new things. I, I It wasn't that long ago, um, Scott Fortner uh, said, showed that Marilyn's eternity ring from Joe wasn't actually her original wedding ring. She was wearing a completely different ring um until I think it was it was when she started rehearsing for there's no business like show business so when she went back to Fox 
that's when we first see the eternity band. And for so long, I was like, I didn't even think to look. You just assume, don't you? You just yeah. think, oh, that, that was her wedding ring. Cool. And you don't go, wait a second, that's not. And then when Scott said that, I was blown away. And that, like, I was like, where's that ring? And me and Kelly were like sleuthing on the internet. And she, <laughs> she managed to find out that it, it looks very similar to Joe DiMaggio's mum's ring. And, you know, it's all of these little mysteries. We call it the Marilyn files. And it, I find it incredible. Um, one other thing yeah. <laughs> is also a misconception that my, my friend April told me. Um, everyone says Marilyn Monroe was one of the first women to start a production company. I found out, no, she was like the 30th or something. Yeah, so it was it Mary, like, Mary Pickford was the one who started it. I yeah, think, I, I, I think, I, yeah, April did this um, list and she did a list of women who did it with their partners and women who did it independently. And you, you know, you've got uh, Doris Day, um, I think Joan Fontaine was in there. You know, you've got all of these. Betty Davis, I believe. She's, yeah. Betty Davis, I think, was in 1946 just off the top of my head but the thing is I think when you're told one thing and it's a good thing you want to take it away and use that as the truth mm-hmm. and that's it, it, that was one of my points in um in my uh, review of uh reframe Marilyn Monroe is that you can't rewrite history no matter how good you want it to sound and they completely cut out you know Marilyn's affair with um, Eve uh, during Let's yeah. Make Love and completely cut that out and it's like does that not fit your narrative <laughs> like, yeah. you, you, can't, you can't make up this story like Marilyn was this amazing independent woman she was she bought her own house with no help from men it's like she got a, she got a loan from Joe DiMaggio he helped her pay for the deposit on that house so don't don't make this stuff up like it it's annoying because you don't want to like bash Marilyn but you're not because that wasn't what really happened so <laughs> but it's just on that point you know you've gone from one extreme to the other where we want we she's been portrayed as almost being that victim and now we wanted to be this feminist which you know to a certain extent you know she was a trailblazer in, in that respect but mm-hmm. you can't change the truth which probably is somewhere in the middle or maybe there's gray areas exactly and there's the, the thing is I don't think it really fits the um this feminist portrait that we they want to paint when we're not talking about all of the other women who did amazing work at that time and before Marilyn who you know you know they walked and Marilyn could run you know Mm -hmm. they inspired Marilyn and they you know of course she did so much she did many amazing things unfortunately it wasn't all that people want it to be it wasn't all glitz and glamour and you know she was this strong independent woman you know she needed people she needed help and I just wish people would understand that it's okay that she needed help um it's okay that she wasn't completely on her own because I think that that can just give another message as well for people like see Marilyn Monroe did it all by herself so can you it's like well no because I I also need help and yeah yeah I think there's never going to be, unless I magically come up with a budget and can get all of my wonderful friends and researchers together to make this wonderful documentary, I don't think it will ever be a case of that we'll get the full story, truthful no. story. 
and they need it so they need to have some sensation in it don't they because they need to have an edge just they need to be able to sell it to the network so again actually nothing really has changed in terms of <laughs> the stuff that the I film know, community know, is exactly. producing it, they're still trying to make her a symbol of something um and without think, focusing on her personality or um and i'm going to humor. keep using the word her humanity and yeah, yeah. you know her her personal quirks and yeah I, and i find it a shame because you can hear it in these recordings as we we're saying her sense of humor um you can hear the tone in her voice when she starts getting angry talking about studios and things like that you can actually get more from that than you can from eight different women talking about what they believe Marilyn was thinking at that time whereas we've yeah. we've got the full recording um but yeah one day who knows who knows I'll call you <laughs> well, up and get your help <laughs> do do put me, put me on the list listen I could sit and talk to you about Marilyn all day that's been really really good thank you for coming on and doing this hope you've enjoyed it and hope you've uh i have thank you so relaxed. much i could talk for ages maybe we'll do a part two one day <laughs> yeah we will i want to look at some of her work in a bit more detail i'll definitely get you and maybe we can get a few more people involved and we look at you know specific films um it'd be great you've been listening to the valley of the dolls podcast i want to say a huge thank you to laura for chatting with me and i hope to have more conversations in the future if you've not done so already, then please follow the podcast on Instagram at thevalleyofthedolls underscore pod, where I post regular updates and facts about all the classic Hollywood actresses I love. If you like what you've heard, then do subscribe. And if you feel an extra nice, then do rate and review. It helps others find the podcast. Oh, and tell your friends. Until next time.